now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Mark Van Aken in a minute, but since Box to Box first went to air less than two years ago, we've tracked the rise and rise of Jackson Irvine. In that time, he's gone from a fringe Socceroo and star of the Scottish Premier League to a match winner for the Socceroos and best player in his debut season in the English Championship with Minnow Club Burton Albion. Tonight, Jackson joins us just over a month out from the Socceroos' date with Destiny against the Samurai Blue and three weeks before the English season starts. Then Chief Executive of the PFA, John Didelitzer, to update us on the latest from the players' point of view around the ongoing B-League discussions. And we'll wrap up the opening hour with our man Dean Hennessy to talk through the latest in the domestic game in the second hour. As always, we'll kick off with second edition news, but we're all excited about the FFA Cup round of 32 kicking off next week. And one of the highlights is New South Wales NPL side Edgeworth Eagles taking on South Melbourne in one of four games next Wednesday night. Former A-League man and current Eagles veteran Daniel McBreen joins us to preview the game. Then Dino returns to talk through all the international news and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, how's your week been, mate? My week's been great. Good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, listeners all around Australia. Good show ahead. Great guests on the program, but really looking forward to the week ahead. Um, FFA Cup begins. I know that'll uh, dominate a lot of Mark's news, and uh, there's a lot to look Mm -hmm. forward to. It's a very exciting time in uh, football landscape. The community or grassroots clubs with rich National Soccer League traditions get to take on the big boys, Mm -hmm. including my mob. But uh, the other news is that the AFC uh, FIFA delegation has been delayed. Interested to read into what all that is. We'll have a little bit of a talk to Mark about that. And obviously, it hasn't taken long, has it? Mm. The PFA and the Association of Australian Football Clubs, uh, the standoff Mm. has begun. Talk about one one week after the uh, AF, AAFC's first inaugural board meeting. Bingo, it's on. And we talked to Dino John Didelitz about that. When uh, John Didelitz, um, no, well, I don't know about that. Dean might be doing something else at that point in time. But uh, <laughs> look, you know, it's it's uh, an interesting discussion, and we'll no doubt delve into that, won't we, Mark? We will. Michael, question. Yes. I feel we're in the same spot. Like, is there a, in, an impasse between what the clubs want? And what the association wants, like somewhere in the middle, is what they need to meet, surely. Well, I mean, uh, what you're referring to is the PFA's uh, and, the PFA, John, yes. and John Dilutz's comments, and we're going to talk to John shortly about uh, um, a standard of, of, of turnover that each club in a, in a national second division would require. I think the number that they've put on the table is five million Australian dollars, mm. and the AAFC are saying that. Uh, no, that's not the answer. Uh, we can do it a lot cheaper. And obviously there'll be conflict there. And, and, and John's taking the position, obviously, as a representative of the players. He's looking at uh, what his players will be paid in a second division. And the clubs are probably got a different view of what John's is. And I think that's what it's all about. But we will be able to explore that with John and, of course, mm. our own analyst, Dean Hennessy. Mm. For those listeners, he's on the show every week. They love him. He's the former Knox County man. But I tell you what, he's also a board member representing Victoria on the AAFC. So we might have a talk to Dino about that in his Dino. A-League segment. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, uh, what do you got for us, mate? Got other than mate, that in the news. Uh, other than that. Uh, John Aloisi has dismissed claims his squad is too old following the marquee signing of 37, say it again, 37-year-old 
Massimo Macaroni. The Italian's edition uh, comes following the recruitment of Fahid Bankaha. Fahid Ben Kalfala will Thank do, you. but he's 35. I think that's reasonable, and uh, you know they've got uh, their 36-year-old keeper. He's a lot keeper, of flack for this during the week, yeah. is he not? Oh, he has, but you know it's not a big deal, really, is it? I mean, given that uh, you know Daniel McBreen, we're going to be talking to him. He's, he's 40 got, years uh, old. He's got a couple of other 30-plus players up there too. Brisbane Raw, yeah. no, John Aloisi. Right. I'm okay with it. Including our man Brett Holman. I'm okay with it too. I think they're going to be very experienced, obviously, but. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you what, he's a pretty good player, the Italian that they've uh, they've recruited. He good played, player. No played doubt. in the uh, Serie A just but last Michael season. Goes back to these marquees were supposed to get bums on seats. Well, hmm. I think he might. How do many that. bums on seats is he going to attract in the Brisbane? Well, yeah. I think he'll attract quite a few. Yeah, yeah well, we'll, we'll find out. If, he's, if he plays well, and uh, and look, a guy like Fahid Benkel-Fuller is of more interest to me because he's the sort of guy, that, as we know, that uh, he starts off uh, with a bang in his first season, and uh, and if he plays anything like he did with uh, the Raw, as he did with Victory, then uh, we're in for some exciting uh, news there. So what about Bill Papastergiatis, mate, the second tier of uh, Australian football there, Marco? What's that little Mark idea? Bill. <laughs> so South Melbourne's A-League chairman in waiting, according to Fox Sports, Bill Papastogiatis, says the creation of a national second division is vital for Australian football. Again, a topic we're going to cover it tonight, mm-hmm. talking to John Dedeletzer. We've got mm-hmm. our very own Dean and Hennessy here. Mm-hmm. But um, he says the push for a formation of a second tier underneath the A-League is growing, but in recent times there's been something pushing it back. Mm. Michael, what do you think Mark's talking about? What do you think is pushing it back? The fact that uh, the FFA have uh, well, I'd have say got some concerns with the, the landscape clubs. No, I think there's a long laundry list of mm. uh, issues that the FFA needs to sort out before they get to the second division. Mm. One would be the television deal and the uh, money that they're going to pay the A-League clubs. That's well, I think that was the word that I was going to come up with was money is, is money. really the. I yeah, mean, if, if we if we got the money, television money, deal money. first and the money second, then um, then the uh, the second tier would. But you got to hand it to away. Bill Papastergiatis and all of the people at South Melbourne who continue to push that barrow um, and front and centre. Haven't heard much out of the guys from Dandenong recently, Mark. I wonder what's happening out there because <laughs> I did like that uh, the uh, embryonic nature of that bid um, in Western, uh, in, sorry, the southeast of Melbourne and yeah. not to mention uh, the interest in Sydney with uh, Craig Foster and Les Southern. Murray. Southern. Southern. The Sydney. old Southern uh, storm there. But uh, mm-hmm. look... Just don't know. Just don't know where it goes from here. But mm. we need some direction, Rob. Mm. Yeah, well, we know that. I mean, we've been talking about that on the show, and every you know media outlet um, covering the game in Australia has been talking about direction with the uh, you know the FFA and uh, the, the um, you know the, the head office, uh, whether it's um, Stephen Lowy or um, anyone beneath him in the in the pecking order. That um, that we just need a very clear direction, and and that's the problem I think that we've been facing in recent times is that we that we we hear a lot of talk, but we don't hear a lot of direction, and, and that's really uh, uh, what we're all hoping we'll hear in the in the sh- in the next uh, few months, as um, you know, as the uh, the visit of, of FIFA uh, looms, or at least it's been delayed, but it's it's coming mm. closer. Now, what about Riley McGree? You've got him down here signing a four-year deal with Club Bruges. It's uh, it's a good story for young Riley, 18 years old. Good old Bruges. Yes, committed uh, is confirmed on Tuesday this week, and. Uh, They've got him for four years, as you said. The 18-year-old broke into the scene last season and impressed so much so that he was called up to the Socceroos, Rob. 
Yeah, I mean, that was brilliant, wasn't it, Mark? Michael, uh, you know, that uh, a young guy like him, you know, we see so many young 18-year-olds, uh, you know, in, in the big uh, time competitions, uh, you know, bobbing up around the world. Some of the best players internationally have emerged at that age and been blooded. You know, not all of them make it, but um, but hopefully he'll be... But I like Rob. For us. He's gone to Bruges. Mm. He's not gone... He hasn't gone to Uzbekistan. China. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's mm. gone to a good football country that will get him mm. trained up Train in the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, Rob, I know that you watch uh, avidly your Twitter feed on social media. You would oh, have, yeah. I'm never avidly. Off it, mate. You've never off it. No, but mm. I would have thought that you would have picked up that Riley McGree mm. has been starring for Josip Gombos mm. uh, under 23s with Ollie Roos and scored Your a mate. magnificent yep. goal uh, just yesterday where he uh, ran past three. Three uh, defenders and slammed it in. Well, maybe Yossop's coaching a little bit better because we motivated him so much. We did motivate him last week. week. I did in particular with my line of questioning, which I understand he enjoyed. (laughs) Greatly, yeah. Well, we, we, well, that, that, well, that's great news though for, for for the young guys. It looks like they're on track to, to qualify yeah, as, as top of. What, and Ivan Frenich has left Melbourne City, which I didn't see coming, but uh, he's off and he's um, the right back has signed with uh, strugglers in Hayley, Korea. Michael mm. Dago FC. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, well, sure, they're one of the powerhouses. I'm not sure that that's quite the pronunciation. I think it might be Dago, but uh, but they're one of the powerhouses over there. And I mean, look, most uh, international pundits would suggest that the uh, the J League is uh, uh, the K League, I should say, is, uh, 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 you know, a slightly Serious higher question. standard than, than bad our loss for Melbourne City. Oh, he's a good player, but he's had his injury problems, and obviously um, he fell out of favour with the national team because he was such a big fixture in the lead up yeah. to Brazil 2014. But uh, Ivan Franich, um, he's a good player, but he's not going to be playing in our league this no, year. No, he's not. All right, good stuff, guys. Looking forward to our next guest, Jackson Irvine. He's a great friend of Box to Box, so stick around for that. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. And we're always excited when Jackson Irvine comes on the show because he's been a great friend of box to box since we started and we're delighted with his progression over the two years there's no doubt he is as well great to have you back on the show mate morning guys hey jackson when we first talked to you mate you were at ross county and uh and and, and plying your trade and uh and and so much has happened in these past two years we haven't talked to you since the uh, confederations cup and uh in particular that game against uh, chile uh, where you um we generally accepted as uh as uh, you know, close to best on ground. Yeah, so uh, you know, brilliant work, mate. Um, he starred. What are you talking about, Rob? That's exactly what he I just starred. said. I thought. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. That, that, what, what, what? How was that experience in Russia? Uh, yeah, it was obviously a really um, kind of special moment to, to be involved in, and um, especially in the kind of general framework of the soccerers over the last few months, and especially over the course of that trip and. I think uh, the squad had come under quite a bit of criticism and quite a bit of you know, pressure, you know, leading into that game. And, um, to be a part of that performance and and uh, you know, obviously the result didn't go what we wanted uh, in terms of progressing through the group, but to be a part of that performance was one of my proudest moments mm. in football. And uh, to come off the pitch that and um, you know, to kind of have earned the respect, I think we'd probably been trying to been craving in that sense was was a was you know truly special and had to be a part of obviously the the experience of uh, of Tim Cahill's hundredth cap and there was a lot of things going into that into that match and as I said we would have we would have loved to have gone on them on the game two 0 and progressed through the group but mm. 
yeah, part of all-round performance is yeah, one of my proudest moments on a football pitch. So you know, hopefully we can use that to kind of propel ourselves forward over the coming months. Jackson, uh, the analysts are back here in Australia. You've probably seen some of the reports. It's pretty clear that, uh, that everyone thought the team really did progress through the tournament well and you built momentum. Did you feel that on the ground? Did you feel the performance were getting better each game and also each training session? Yes, definitely. And you know, the one thing that we um, unfortunately do not have together as a soccer is what is time. Yeah. And um, you know, mm. we, we kind of come into these camps on on a Sunday, Monday, and you have you know a day or two of recovery for boys coming in from weekend games, and all of a sudden you're preparing for a game on a Thursday, and you, you haven't even had a chance to get out on the on the, on the training park together. So to be able to have that kind of extended period together, you really saw how the group grew, and um, you know. Um, as I said, I think I think most it was clear for most people to see even the progression of how we improved over the course of the tournament from the first to the second to the third game. And um, yeah, it was it was a, it was really great to be a part of, and it showed that not only are we capable of growing in such a short space amount of time, but also that we have a squad that's capable of stepping in and performing in a tournament environment where you have to sometimes change and you know, make a number of changes and able to. You know, in terms of injuries and short turnover of games. So I think the tournament environment really suited us in a sense. And uh, I think, as I said, I think, that, again, the more time this, this kind of young squad spends together will probably improve more and more. Jackson, uh, based on, obviously, that experience, what you've just gone through with us there, obviously there's still a focus on the qualifiers still to come later in August. Um, obviously, your, your, your attention now is turning to pre-season uh, process, which I know for all footballers is not the most pleasant experience. But can you just, for the listeners, just give a little insight of the type of work you're trying you're trying to do now to get your fitness level ready for the championship? Yeah, for most for most of the boys, especially in the championship, I can't speak for kind of the boys that play in Europe, Australia, and these types of things. But you know, for the ones that um, play in this league, it's it is we're in a sense in a sort of position where you know after Russia in particular, you kind of had your two weeks off or you know, for some a little bit longer, but um, in that period, it's not so much about um, losing fitness and and uh, you know trying to really start from scratch again, like a lot of the championship players. You have that kind of six, seven week period off, but uh, it's kind of just about getting moving again and, and kind of settling back into a routine of, of playing games regularly, because the, as as most people are aware, the championship is can be quite brutal with its scheduling and. Uh, in terms of playing midweek and playing on a weekend. So for us, it's mainly about settling back into a routine of playing regular games and recovering quickly and, and being ready to play again. And uh, also, you know, obviously, obviously, there is a level of fitness you have to build yourself back up to. But, um, you know, in, for us, it, it is mainly about, uh, you know, being ready for that routine. Because as our first, uh, from August 5th, we play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Wow. We've got five games in in a, in a 13, 14-day wow. period <laughs> from day one. Um, so it's, as I said, it comes in comes in hot from the start, so you really do have to just be ready to, mm. to go back into that, um, you know, playing on a Saturday, training, um, playing again on a Tuesday and just recovering and training in between. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've been playing Wednesday and Saturday uh, really since I came back in for pre-season. So, you just, as I said, you're just kind of building back into that, to that process. But as I said, you've always kind of got one eye on, international breaks that are coming and keeping yourself fit for those as well.
This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Jackson Irvine. Needs no introductions. He's a star of the Socceroos and uh, lighting it up in the championship as well in the past season. I know you're very humble, mate. But uh, now, look, the question that we, we do want to ask you, though, is uh, is this uh, rumour uh, around a possible contract uh, in the Premier League. Uh, we see Matt Ryan signed up with Brighton and Hove Albion, and that seems to be the club that uh, that you've been connected to. Can you tell us uh, what you know about that and, um, and if uh, at all uh, it, it's possible? Uh, for me, guys, it's, as I said, it's it's been the same as it as it was um, sort of around the time of the Confederations Cup. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm I haven't had any official approaches or any Burton have had no uh, bids made to the club. So, you know, you you you, you keep approaching your preseason as 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 everything is is going. And as I've always said, you know, while I'm contracted and got two years left at Burton, you're a Burton player, and you I'm fully focused on 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 that te- on the team and being away with the squad and preparing for the season and you know if anything changes within that time then you know you you deal with it as it comes and uh, as I said uh, you know with, when it comes to being with Burton being here and um, not looking any further ahead than than when a genuine uh, kind of approach is made and and uh, you know obviously there'll always be rumours and there'll always be um, you know comments made and as I said that story kind of came right out of left field I didn't know yeah. Well, mate, with that straight bad answer, um, you know, you might be a dual international, so you play for the Socceroos and we might pick you for uh, the Australian mm-hmm. side uh, in the Ashes, mate, uh, the way you defended that one back down the track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's what I mean. It's, it's, yeah. uh, You've yeah, got to It's always a compliment. It's, it's a compliment to be linked with, mm-hmm. with um, especially the Premier League teams. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, as I said, every player wants to progress and, and, and keep moving forward in their career and, you know, move on to, um, you know, as I said, keep improving and keep playing at a higher level. But mm. uh, until that becomes more tangible or anything of, of real substance, then for me, it's just, you know, uh, I, I keep carrying on uh, with, the, with, the, with the, in the way I am. And, and that's with Burton. And, you know, as I said, I've been enjoying preseason so far. We've got, uh, you know, a game uh, on Friday night against uh, AFC Wimbledon and and then going on to Wednesday, we've got a game against West Brom. So, yeah. um, you know, we've got some like, some good games coming up to, to prepare for the season. So, you know, until, as I said, until anything becomes of real substance, then, uh, you know, I'm fully focused on, on where I am. Jackson, I'm going to paint the picture for you. Obviously, you've got those early the flurry of matches in the championship, but... Uh, August 31, uh, Saitama Stadium. Uh, it'll be a hot tropical night in Tokyo, uh, the height of uh, or the end of their summer. Mm-hmm. 33 degrees, 65,000 people. Only 2,000 Aussies stuck in the corner, <laughs> including me and about 160 of my mates. But um, <laughs> but uh, it'll be something to look forward to. It is it is the biggest game for the Socceroos in the last four years. We need uh, uh, at minimum a, a draw to really uh, help us. Uh, Get through a direct qualification. You must, you must go to bed at night thinking that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, oh, for sure. Obviously, it's it's an exciting prospect. That game, I've never been. I was involved in the Australia in the Japan game in Melbourne, mm. the one-all draw. But um, obviously, I've never been involved in a game um, over on their turf. And uh, you know, the, when Australia come up against Japan, it's it's becoming you know our, um, you know our our kind of long-term. I don't know if you call it a rivalry, but you know, we understand the pressure that comes with that game, and as well, and obviously in terms of mathematics and the, and the process of qualifying, it has its own special kind of pressure. But uh, I think we have a chance, especially in, you know we proved it in Melbourne, and to have a chance again to really uh, kind of show that you know, how we've progressed in Asia and how 
other teams view us in terms of the way they approach games against us um, for us is, is, is just as key and in terms of the long-term development of Australian football and, and for people to see that you know these going away to Japan you know doesn't have to be the kind of prospect that it once was and that we can go and dominate possession and, and go and win these games and, and that's the way we approach every game you know we people obviously had their criticisms going into the to Germany and the Cameroon the Chile games and um, you know, to, to score two against the, the the team, the ultimate winners of the tournament, and um, you know, play well against Cameroon and probably not get what we deserve, and then obviously move on and play the way we did against Chile as well. Um, you know, I think we we really grew into a into a into a side that especially approaches the game with a certain mentality, and um, the the idea of going away to Japan with uh, you know, obviously the pressures of qualification uh, will not phase this squad and. You know, we've got we've got a team that just it's just kind of, kind of amazing. You don't play in many teams that uh, you know against all adversity, and you know obviously coming off against the, the poor result against Brazil, and just the it, it does not change. The mentality does not change. Mm-hmm. We just continue to just work away, and and um, with such you know belief and confidence, and in, in, in not just in ourselves but what we're trying to achieve. And um, I think the chance to go away to Japan in such a key moment. Um, in qualification process, and obviously with with you know Australia watching, it's an exciting prospect for for a squad of, of players who are you know for most of which are still really trying to prove themselves at the international level, and you know to go away and the the idea of you know you're saying you, you know our points probably minimum we need, but it will be going there to win that game absolutely, and the way that we've we've been playing over the last kind of few months, um, you know we have enough of a belief that we can go over there and get that win as well. Jackson, just to, to finish, um, obviously good luck with the, the the thing coming up later on in uh, in August with regards to the Japan trip. But just to go more onto the domestic now, because obviously it's getting very close. With all of these Wednesday weekend games, when does Nigel and his team start to really concentrate on the first game against Holloway? Um, I, Cardiff at home, I think. But I've, is it? I've, is it's it's home? I think Holloway's. I think Holloway's the second game. Is that the second game? The, uh, so, which what's the first game? Yeah, I think because I've got Derby. Uh, Derby started off. It says on my what I'm looking at now. Excuse me, Dar- Derby Dar- fan Jackson. Well, Derby's the first the Derby game pictures. at Sunderland, as you know. I do support Derby <laughs> and I, um, yeah. uh, Jackson, as which you were part of when you were a young kid. And yeah, then it goes the sixth. Don't tell anyone. And else. it says on the sixth, <laughs> Burton are playing Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah, is that Cardiff, right? So Cardiff, when when will he prepare for that? Season. Well, I think that that's what we've been building up to, and you know, preseason is all about is again getting minutes back into the legs, and um, we've got enough. You know, we've got a young a young squad here as well, so we've got guys playing forty five and forty five, and um, in the midweek and weekend games, and we've slowly been trying to increase the minutes and get that back into the legs. But I think probably from from next week when we um, we play West Brom and. And then we've got a, um, a game against Leicester as well the week after. So playing, obviously the idea of playing two Premier League clubs is is where you'll uh, you know get your obviously your biggest footballing test, but also you know building into two weeks before the season. That's where you really start to you know be at, not just at 90 minutes, but also kind of get that match sharpness back. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that in preseason because you do so much running and so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, you know, again, these kind of brutal long uh, runs that take so much out of you. The game, you, you just try and get everything you can out of them. But you know, come next week when all that kind of starts to fade away, and it's more about the football, 
Um, so yeah, it will probably be from next week we really start to, to look to the, to the season. And as I said, it, it doesn't get any easier. It's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday from 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 day one. So um, you know, we'll, everyone will need to be involved as well, and uh, just everyone's got to be ready to to start literally. Um, you know, from from minute one, you know, we've got the idea of Cardiff at home and then away to Hull and away to Middlesbrough in the first two weeks. Um, you know, tough start that is. Um, that is a tough start. The Premier yeah, absolutely tough start. But in this league, there's absolutely no easy game. <laughs> no, there isn't. The list and yeah. You do. You look at the fixture list and you think, bloody hell, you know, you've got to just get, get the points where they come. That's for sure because of the, the strength of this league. And you know, obviously, same as last year, home games will be very important for us as well. So. Uh, yeah, again, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll take those those games against the top top quality opposition and and use those to build ourselves into the season. Jackson, we could talk to you all night, mate. Uh, but um, yeah, we've enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you for the time we've had so far, mate. And uh, you always give us plenty. Good luck with the upcoming season in the championship and with whatever may come with contractual talks. We'll be watching uh, your games closely. We'll be watching Japan, and then, mate, we'll be watching when you come back home at Amy Park, hopefully, uh, to to uh, see the celebrations against Thailand uh, uh, on September the fifth, mate. Thank you again, Jackson. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, always, mate. Always a pleasure. Good luck. After the break, stick around because we're going to get into the politics again. Uh, it's never a shell box to box without uh, digging a little into that. So John Didelitzer, he's the uh, the boss of the Players Association. We're going to have a chat to him and find out just where the lay of the land is from the players' point of view with uh, regard to the conversation around the B League. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on apps around the world, and of course the podcast on Box to Box NTS. Now, the debate around promotion, relegation and a proposed B-League seems never-ending. And on Box to Box, we've covered every twist and turn along the way. It's been a few months since we spoke to the boss of the Players Association and we welcome John Didelitzer back to the show. Hey, guys. How are you going? Yeah, really well, John. And uh, and thank you, mate. But um, look, the um, there seems to be a little bit of uh, fuel thrown onto the... Uh, the fire in recent times, there's um, a little bit of angst between uh, um, the uh, the Players Association and, and the, the, the AAFC now. Um, what's your take on the, the lay of the land from the players' point of view right now? Oh, what, on what particular issue? It <laughs> seems to be a lot. Well, what's uh, happening? <laughs> John, um, I, I just obviously um, uh, I was interested to read your comments during the week and also the comments of Rabbi Cram, the newly appointed chairperson of the Association of Australian Football Clubs. Obviously, for our listeners, um, the AAFC, as they're now known, is a a new body that's been formed by the effectively the NPL clubs around Australia who are pushing for um, very hard for a second division. Um, They they have acknowledged that the PFA has done some work and um, I think there's a... There's a general understanding that the uh, the, the PFA, uh, your organisation, has put forward a model which would include clubs in a second division needing, as a bare minimum, to turn over $5 million to meet commitments uh, for professional players and training standards and, and so forth, travel, etc. Um, <clears throat> but it seems the AAFC believes that that uh, may not be the case. I guess I'll ask you, first and foremost, from the get-go, what's your reaction to to the AAFC's comments because obviously um, they'll be they'll be trying to drive a, a, a second division and um, and obviously uh, everyone including the players needs to be on board. Yeah, look, look as a matter of policy, I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of the second division and all the feedback we get from players 
is there's a really strong appetite to grow the sports footprint, whether that's through expanding the number of teams in the A-League or building a second tier of football, a B-League or a, a second division. So I think on, on many regards we're in furious agreement. I spoke to, to Rabbi during the week and I reaffirm that, that in terms of having a second division as an important part of the, the landscape here, I'm, I'm absolutely on board. Um, it's what that competition looks like that's the critical decision. Um, and I'm guided by three really important factors in, in how I shape that. And the first is it needs to be a genuine professional career for players. Um, we have over 100 million, <laughs> a million players playing the game each weekend. So it stands to reason that we need more than 10 professional organisations um, creating opportunities for young players, both both men and women. So that's one. The second is we certainly need a pathway for ambitious clubs to grow into becoming professional enterprises that can compete against the Melbourne Victories of the World and the Western Sydney Wanderers who are turning over, in the case of Victory, the best part of $20 million. And we also need to uh, create a structure so that regional communities um, can get access to elite professional football. So it's really important to grow the game in areas that aren't currently serviced by elite professional football. Um, and if you look at those three considerations, it's not a, a cheap undertaking. That requires sophisticated analysis and it requires a real um, alignment of, object, of, of, of objectives between the FFA, the players, uh, the, the NPL clubs, uh, other regions who might be interested in, in bidding for teams. So it's, it's a big undertaking. And what our workings, if you like, or our analysis was focused on was saying, OK, these are the benchmarks of A-League's clubs. These, this is what's worked, what hasn't worked. Let's strip away some of the components that aren't needed for A-League clubs. Now let's strength test those numbers against competitions that, in my mind, we need to be like, which is, say, the North American Soccer League mm -hmm. or the USL1 or the USL Pro, sorry. Um, and they're operating on similar type of budget. So if we're going to do this absolutely properly, um, a, a top-end price of about $5 million is totally on the money. But that doesn't mean the dial doesn't adjust depending on the stage in a club's evolution. If you're starting a club from scratch... The costs are a lot higher because you've got a lot of costs you need to play catch up on. If you're an established club that's been running your business for forever and a day, um, the costs are probably less. But let's actually focus on what it looks like and then worry about the money after the fact. This is Box the Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to John Didlitzer, the CEO of the of Professional Football Australia. Now, John, just to expand on on point one of those three points that you made in terms of uh, of the ideal of professionalism uh, across the board of a, of a second tier um, and five million dollars uh, being the, the sort of the benchmark number that we're looking at. It is it a realistic proposition to think that that full professionalism can uh, can be achieved in a B League uh, in in the early stages? Uh, particularly with that kind of number when you look at uh, the amount of players that are required for a squad and coaches, etc. I mean, $5 million doesn't seem a lot of money to be able to, to turn out a fully professional club. Yeah, look, that's, that's where I think it lands. Um, I think the B-League focus on, uh, I think inevitably it'll focus on 
uh, a more youth-leaning development path, so you won't have the same probably inflationary push on salaries that you get often in the A-League. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways you can manage what those overall costs might be. Um, and again, it's really about seeing what the market is going to need. So if you go through and, and you look at the clubs who are genuinely ambitious, um, they could spend more as they're preparing for the A-League. But then mm-hmm. again, you could have other clubs who are quite well-structured, well-run. You might be able to manage a far leaner ship. So yeah. I don't think there's one number that every club would need to be adhering to. But it's about saying if we're going to pitch a competition at a certain level so it's meaningful for Australian football, these are the boxes need to, that need to be ticked. And in our view, it's about, you know, at the top end, Rolls-Royce around $5 million. Now, let's have a discussion about whether that's real or not with people who might be interested in being a part of the competition. John, are we having this discussion, um, is, is it a bit of a waste of a time considering that uh, despite the momentum of NPL clubs, fans, um, various stakeholders like the Professional Footballers Australia that have, um, you know, put a stake in the stand around uh, the B-League and what it could be. But in the absence of leadership from the FFA, and um, some more comments during this week that uh, David Gallup has reported to to say it's a long way off. I mean, in the absence of any plan, are we, is all this momentum a bit of hot air, a bit of a waste of time? Yeah, I think, I think debating people's positions like you're playing tennis is, I think what yeah. wouldn't be a waste of time is sitting down with everybody and seeing what's real and actually spending the next six months, 12 months building a model. And, you know, we're in the process of undertaking some really, you know, sophisticated and detailed analysis of the career path of Australian football. And we need Australian footballers. And for us, what the NPL clubs offer, that link uh, or that ability to have players in professional systems for longer is fundamental to our ability to be internationally competitive at a, at a youth level um, and at a senior level. And, you know, having worked at Clubland, I've seen so many players who, with the right circumstances and the right opportunities, could no doubt be long-term A-League footballers. But the reality is there's not enough places on a roster to house these guys. So there's this footballing imperative to grow the number of teams. Um, so that's not. A, so that's that's you know for us a very clear objective. And what is of great, I think, is of really strong probative value is actually sitting down with Rabi, sitting down with FFA, sitting down with all the people that are going to play a really important role in one day making it happen, mm. and having really strong, um, meaningful discussions based on fact, not just on opinion or a wish list. Uh, John, well, in your capacity, are those discussions happening? Are you having meaningful dialogue with FFA representatives over a structure or a future plan for the B-League? No. No. Well, that's the short answer, John. What's your opinion on that, though? I mean, why aren't you? Well, I think it's, I think it's certainly... Well, I think they're preoccupied with a few things. Obviously. Um, yeah. so, so I, look, I think it's certainly something that... Again, not every policy decision needs to be driven out of Sydney. Uh, I think FFA has got a very large brief. They've got a lot of, you know, it's a very complex and um, broad game to run football for so many reasons. So there's nothing stopping other stakeholders who have got the game's best interest at heart from actually working with one another Mm -hmm. 
to develop ideas and develop policies. And I, certainly on the, the B League or a second division, you know, far be it from me to say the PFA has all the answers about how that competition needs to run. I, I want it's great to sit down with organisations that are managing this on a day-to-day basis and seeing what's real and what's not. Uh, clubs who manage their own facilities, um, like a Sydney United, for example, who's got a wonderful facility from the old National Soccer League, for them... The business case for a second tier, second uh, a second division team, might be entirely different to a startup for a market that's never had an elite team, mm. like like a Geelong, like a Cairns, yeah. um, or a second team in, in a Perth. They're, t- they're totally different. So there's nothing stopping other people interested getting together in a constructive, meaningful way and developing policy. Now, I've got no doubt that if policy sensible, if it's if it's managed. Um, to ensure that everybody's contributing to it, that it will be taken in good faith. I trust that it will be taken in good faith and, and dealt with. And I've seen evidence of that with the work we've done on women's football, that we've been able to use that as a basis to sit down and have really meaningful discussions with FFA about well, what the W League will look like this season. So, you know, I've got, it's just a matter of people actually, I think, spending some time with one another and getting to know... Um, their perspective is going to, I'm sure that, you know, when I work through, sit down with Rabbi, which I'm planning to do in the next couple of weeks, and go through where my figures come from, I'm sure he'll say, you're absolutely right on that, that one's wrong because for this reason, and that's fine. And that's why you have those discussions. Well, more power to each of your arms, mate. Um, obviously, we'd rather you being inside the tent, um, uh, peeing out than uh, than the other way around. Uh, we obviously need the um, the head office involved, mate, um, uh, with these discussions to progress it to the next level. So uh, at least yeah, if no the, the two bodies, yourselves and uh, the AAFC, are working collaboratively together, then uh, that's a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so, there's, so, there's so much to learn um, from what's happening at that level. And yeah. you know, if you look at the leading you know, the countries that we aspire to be like, whether mm. it's in Italy or in Germany, yep. they've all got very strong regional leagues. Yeah. Uh, and they're often the bedrock of what's happened. So yep. we're, we've got some differences, um, but if we're looking to build that little gap that exists between those regional leagues that service countries like Germany um, and building a, a, a new professional one. Mm. So it's not just about, you know, taking the a few bits and pieces and making a Frankenstein monster yeah. and calling it a mm. second division. Yeah. It's about actually creating something from scratch that that's, that's exciting. Yeah. That will help Australian football. That's what we want. And, and you better swim high when you're doing that, I think. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely do, John. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, mate. We're really grateful. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. No problem. Stick around. Dino's next. We're going to be talking about the FFA Cup round of 32. That starts next Wednesday. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Now it's time to talk about some domestic action. The FFA Cup round of 32 starting this coming Wednesday. Our Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and Hume City coach, Box to Box's very own Dean Hennessy. But before we get into that, Dean, I just want to point out to you something. That these days, it seems that from time to time, we open our eyes and we move from one electronic device to another. 
Constant exposure to digital screens can leave your eyes feeling tired, so help support your eye health with Thompson's One-A-Day Bilberry 12,000 capsules. This is a high-potency formula, and it can help support and maintain healthy eye function. Thompson's has a unique One-A-Day herb range with high-potency products that use only high-quality ingredients straight from nature. Discover the natural advantage of Thompson's One-A-Day Bilberry 12,000 for just $24.99 at Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label. Use only as directed. If symptoms persist, consult your healthcare professional. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. And I'm going to take this opportunity to welcome Rutanet and Mark from Chemist Warehouse into the studio. Our wonderful sponsors, they've been with us since day one, got us off the ground. We would not have a show if it wasn't for our friends here. So guys sitting in the studio, hopefully enjoying the show. Dino? Yeah, look, thanks to the boys. Uh, and they, they've seen all of us on, on all of our phones and computers and the eyes are very sore. Yeah, so very, we get a hold uh, Edge off fair income. I mean, Edge has got 16 and 20-year-old daughters. I reckon he spends more time on social media than them. He is embarrassing the amount of time he spends on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram. Fair income, you need a truckload of that stuff. <clears throat> got to know what's going on, Rob. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All right, tell us what's going on in the well, FFA Cup, Dino. We're well, very excited, mate. This well, week. the FA Cup obviously starts uh, round of 32, um, so there's four games. Um but I know, obviously, with the, with Daniel on the show as well, you know, mm-hmm. we'll have covered a, a lot of ground and and will cover a lot of ground mm-hmm. uh, with Daniel. So, uh, but yeah, just the games this week, just to preview them: Bandstand Berries against Metro Stars. Uh, these are all games on the Wednesday, mm-hmm. the twenty sixth. Uh, Hills United uh, against Sydney uh, Harcoa. Um, then the live game that particular night will be South Melbourne uh, against. Edgeworth, of which obviously to that, that's where we'll be talking to Daniel and getting uh, the insights on how they'll approach trying to beat the team of the century, as they like to be known. <laughs> and uh, and I do say that tongue in cheek. Um, and then uh, finally, Sorrento, uh, one of the Perth clubs there against last year's semi-finalist, Canberra Olympic. Mm. And that will be a really interesting game, I think. So, uh, mm. yeah, I mean, we know a little bit, obviously, being a Hume and Bentley, because yeah, that's who we play later in, in the yeah. in the month. And we've been semi-finalists, so we know what the journey is like. So it's pretty exciting. So from your club's point of view, Dino, I mean, just give us that little bit of an insight into how the build-up goes uh, uh, for, for these clubs. Oh, look, it's big. Um, it it, it galvanises the supporters, the juniors at your club. Um the games that we've all been involved in, especially when it gets to the pointy end, it's great, you know, and lucky enough to play in a semi-final against Melbourne Victory. Mm-hmm. Came off second best, uh, very, very late though, 1-0 down with minutes to go and then yeah. they scored in injury time. And then yeah. the next year, where I was actually coaching the team, we get beaten a penalty that that was the only chance. They didn't have a strike at goals. So I think it's the first time any team had kept Melbourne Victory to no shots at goal on target. Mm-hmm. So um, a bit disappointing, but you know, you're playing. If you're going to get an A-League club, this is the time to get them because they're still in that yeah. pre-season yeah. mode. By the time the next round comes, they're a lot fitter and a lot sharper and the, the, the actual assignment's much, much tougher. So Dino, I have a question for you, if you don't mind, a one without notice. Yeah. Um, South Melbourne, they talk up a big game. Uh, they've got Edgeworth Eagles. I know we're going to talk to Daniel McGreen in the second hour, but uh, you must uh, would think that South Melbourne, there's a bit of pressure on them for this game. They, they're expected to win. Um, Edgeworth, they've got a few scalps in their FFA Cup history. They have. No, look, it's, look I think with South Melbourne... And I think it's a positive thing. They want to be in the A-League, you know, and if they're not in the A-League, they want to be in a B-League. They want to be at the highest. And 
level. And I think the FFA Cup gives everybody that opportunity to do it at that level. The last time they were in this position, they lost on penalties and went out. I think it was two years ago. So I think from their point of view, this is going to be a really, really big evening for them, for them to then launch, you know, with all the bids that they've got and the, the ducks in a row, that where they actually want to get to that next level. So, yeah, there'll be a bit of pressure on. But to be honest with you, give South Melbourne credit. They got up to an awful start this year. Haven't they? Come and, rattling and they've home. come rattling yeah. home like they do. They're well coached by Scoring, Chris Taylor. Playing a very good brand of football got, too, and position-based. They've got, and they've got some really good players that mm. can win big games. They're and, the team to beat. And I expect they will beat them. Yeah. All right, well, that's a big prediction because the Minnows have made some big impact. Well, let's, let's let Daniel know about that prediction when we get him on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Well done, Dino. Stick around because after the break, that man we've been talking about, Daniel Breen from the Edgeworth Eagles. He had a storied history in the A-League and now he's at 40 years old playing in the FFA Cup. Dino returns and that's all next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. Oh! For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King, they're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box after a big first hour, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to Daniel McBream from the Edgeworth Eagles, formerly of the Central Coast Mariners, and a couple of other Perth. Glory Clubs, uh, A-League, etc. So uh, that chat will be a very interesting one ahead of their FFA Cup fixture this coming Wednesday night against South Melbourne. Of course, Dino returns with everything else going on in the international game and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. So, Marco, you had a uh, couple of opinions on uh, the Arsenal games, the Sydney FC. Well, my question for you two, Mm -hmm. 160,000 people went for those two games. Mm. I had my brother-in-law, also named, actually, Andy, Mm-hmm. The other one's Robert. Um, I joked with my wife. I was mm-hmm. watching the footy Saturday mm-hmm. night, uh, GWS Sydney, uh, versus Sydney. I said, Andy would have been better off going to this game. Mm-hmm. It's only 200 metres away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we're a football program. Mm-hmm. I should try and be positive. Mm-hmm. Um, sure enough, look at Facebook five minutes later. Mm-hmm. He's across the road at Spotless because the game was absolutely awful. So, oh, Michael, harsh. these that pre-season harsh. games, you, which I know you don't like. You are a wind-up. I know you don't you like. You are a wind-up, They did it much better than Liverpool. You've got to hand them that. Look, the th- the, we oh, all know the purpose of these games. They're, they're there for the, the fans to get along and see players who they would probably not otherwise get to see in the flesh, young kids who to are idolising these play kids. A practice match. Exactly. Well, that's what it is. What yeah, I found yeah. very interesting out of all of that was Arsene Wenger's comments that he was well and truly overwhelmed by the support for Arsenal in Australia. And um, you'd have to say it's much bigger than the support for Liverpool in Australia. No, I don't agree mm, with that. I've got to say, Michael, what I was impressed by, they didn't have to pay excess baggage because they didn't have to bring out the European Cup trophies. With them. <laughs> but uh, I, I was impressed with Arsene Wenger um, complimenting uh, Andrew Redmayne on his brilliant uh, goalkeeping performance and saying we, we missed one there. I saw. Did you see that article uh, the following yes, day? I did see that. I know yeah. it was probably a little bit uh, uh, generous, but I know no, it wasn't tongue in cheek. <laughs> I think it was just generous. I don't think you'd be taking the uh, P15S out of a local player because no. Redmayne did have an absolute screamer. They could Very have good. won five nil if he hadn't applied the way he did. Of course. Now, boys, last Saturday, almost a week ago, in fact, mm. a week ago, it was announced that Amy Park will host the Socceroos mm. taking on Thailand. Got to be excited by this, don't I we? I bought a family and pass on FFA. for $117. 
I urge everyone else to get out there because we've bagged the FFA from one end of the pitch to the other. They've got it right other. this time. Yeah, they have got it right. Finally. You, you, yeah. Well, you know no, what? Remember, I think... since 1922, they've got it right. <laughs> yeah. Michael over here was texting me this morning going, can I get your MFN number? Mm, yeah. And he was shocked to hear that I've lost it. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> stuns me. Knowing I'm such a meticulous I've person. I've got a queue of people looking for tickets off me that goes right around, goes from Collins Street all the yeah. way to Elizabeth yeah. Scalper. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 look, very affordable. I think that's yeah, the point. And well we done have, if you're credit where it's due, they've the priced right it well venue too. too Rob. Yeah, absolutely. It's at a rectangular venue with a mm. good surface. Yep. They've listened to well, their coach. And odds are, and we, finally, if they sorry, Michael, sorry. they've listened to the people. Yep. And yep. Over to you, Mike. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, and odds are the uh, the game is going to be very uh, crucial, mm. and uh, we might need to score three or four goals to get direct qualification. And wouldn't that be something with a crowd? Well, can and you truly imagine the, the atmosphere yeah. in there? Yeah. I, I'm. I'm you're excited, aren't you, Mark? Big I'm fella. excited. I'm like Big Kev, yep. except alive, just. <laughs> but um, uh, these these are the games. People, Michael, you you and I know, we, we're involved with the Green and Gold Army. People bemoan the fact that most Socceroos games don't have the atmosphere. This mm. one will. You know mm. what? Because most of the Socceroos games don't really matter. Mm. And we're playing these random countries. Mate, this matters. Mm. It's going to be... Our friend over here on the right from Chemist Warehouse is laughing, but it is going to be an absolute cracking atmosphere. Mm. And yeah. I, those are the games, Michael, as you know, I get very excited for But them. I was, I'm surprised that um, that that it just... I know it's it's only pre-sales to the football family. I, I would have thought that it would have sold out within 48 hours. Oh, I think uh, I think sales have been very strong. Yeah. We'll, we'll get an indication in a couple of days. Yeah. Not really sure what they are at the moment, but I expect they've been very strong based on the fact that you, even you've bought tickets, Rob. <laughs> the first time for something. No Chardonnay in the so uh, no, media no box. No freebies from the free out you No, that's cool. That, that, no those tickets, boxes, uh, let me just assure you, you well, that's my... Truly in, walked into that one, Rob. That's my insurance policy, guys. I am... That, well, there you go. That shows how seriously I'm taking it. Media pass, Corporate invitations, <laughs> forget it. I want to actually sit in the grandstand and watch the game. Hey, um, can I um, important some serious news for a yeah. moment? Uh, obviously, Dominic Bossy, good to see that Fairfax and News Limited good are well point. and truly yep. uh, fighting each other over this big story because, um, speaking of the FFA, which Mark's brought up, mm. um, the relationship between them and some A-League clubs is well and truly beyond repair, according to Dominic Bossy. And um, they are lining up to sue the FFA over... Uh, withholding uh, the television money rights or the television money distribution for next year. They normally do it at this time of year to help fund the clubs, but the uh, A-League has demanded that clubs sign a release in relation to um, the, the guaranteed amount of money. Obviously, the A-League clubs are looking for $4 million and the um, FFA is, uh, is saying that they'll give them $3.55 million. But the relationship has gone that bad uh, and that pear-shaped and that toxic that A-League, some A-League clubs are lining up to sue the FFA over this. Um, uh, I'm not sure of the legalities. It's a story that Dominic Brossi and Tom Smithies, uh, Fairfax and News Limited journalists, have been all over. Mm. Very interesting. It will be um, just, another, just another point to talk about in the never-ending debacle that's the relationship between the A-League clubs and the uh, the governing and body. And that amount of money that you're talking about, a half a million difference between what the offer is and what they've prepared to by accept, it seems like... Yeah, well, I mean, but, yeah, but, but that, 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 multiply that by 10. That's the sort of money that, you know, you could lose half of it in lawyers' fees mm. um, arguing the toss. Correct. So what's your opinion on this, mate? Well, Michael, I'm over to you. You've been around longer than me in this game, and I've been around for 25 years. Has there ever been, and it's a question I've asked many times, has there ever been a worse time 
And we're talking back to the NSL days. Has there ever been a worse relationship between the clubs and HQ? Oh, people forget. And how, also, we've had some pretty the current chairman and CEO. Are they to blame? Well, you know, there's. I think that's a, I've, I've a long answer done for you there. <laughs> you have. Yeah, there's a long answer to all of that. But people are forgetting the good old days with Tony Levazetta and. Yeah, I know you moved to this a couple of weeks ago. There, is, there was some yeah. fairly toxic and nasty stuff happening back then, but. Uh, this is ramping up pretty seriously. If these articles are on the money, which you would expect they were, two very, very fine Thumbs journalists. Yeah. Two sources, two, uh, two well, separate newspapers. Yeah, you know, and they're, they're quoting uh, Gallup in here in the context mm. of these threats. So, um, look, will the clubs carry through with these threats? Um, that'll be the pressure's on them now, no doubt about it. So Gallup said the FFA does not believe the request is legally valid and in the circumstances it will not agree to it. The clubs need to decide which process they want to be in. A joint committee one or a predicated on a court action and all that comes with it. Our representative of the clubs can't fire missiles while his colleagues are sitting down drawing up the Treaty of Versailles in another room. Yeah, they're they're strong words and and obviously the, the... the demand or the request that uh, Gallup's referring to there mm. is the uh, um, the Adelaide chairman on behalf mm. of all the clubs demanding to, mm. to have a forensic audit of the of the FFA's uh, financials, which Gallup's saying, no, brother, not on my watch. Well, hang on. Is that not, is that not reasonable? Well, They're I'd essentially say, a public body. Well, there's a, there is a dispute over there how much money... There's a branch of government. No, That's but there is, there's a dispute over how much money goes to the A-League compared no, to national that, teams. I get that, Michael. Dino, a bloke who pays his money to be part of football, he's got a son who plays football. Do we not get to see the books? Why can't we see the books? Well, the, the members and of they the say Congress it's, get it's, to see it's, the books. Ah, Congress, which is 12 people. Correct. Well, it's, no. uh, it's, it's we're not going to we're no, not going to get no, the answers no, in this no, conversation. No. All we're going to do is is uh, is speculate and ponder I'm on. I'm actually on arguing how... with a bloke. Actually, we're agreeing with each other. <laughs> well, it's hard it's to argue with someone who agrees. We with argue you. so much. I'm just arguing <laughs> over something we agree. With. All right. Well, what, all we can say is watch this space. That, that's enough on that subject. We'll uh, we'll talk about it more next week. Mate, give us another little one before we wrap up. Um... Little one. Yeah, little one. Harry Kill. Harry Kill. <laughs> Same topic. 15 so years Harry Kill, you might have heard of the bloke. He scored mm. a goal for Australia when he was 18 at the oh, MCG. Really? He yes. scored a goal on Tay Run. He's now called, uh, coaching Crawley Town mm-hmm. over there in the 15th division. And you know my time capsule prediction from last year, last week, where in 20 years' time he's going to be the Australian manager that takes us to the top four of uh, of the, the World Cup. Um, so it's yeah, another one we need to write down. Back. You know, you <laughs> and can, revisit. Your I'm memory is fading. Right I, 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 I put this in the time capsule last week. And it's going to happen. Anywho, uh, guess what, Rob? He's actually joined the chorus of people who mm. think we should have a first and second division mm. and promotion relegation. So it's good to see that people like Harry, and mm-hmm. Harry's a weird one because he, he left when he was in his teens mm. over to the UK, mm. ended up being a superstar, and people maybe forget he was one of the best four or five players in the world. I don't oh, know, yeah. We've got an English friend in here who will probably scoff at that. But mm. uh, he was one of the best players in the world. Mm. Got to the uh, semi-final of the Champions League with mm-hmm. Leeds, and then ill-fated uh, moved to Liverpool. The mm. point is, for mine, mm. he's our best chance of ever getting mm. a manager into mm. the Premier League. Yeah, well, he's starting at the right Ange, level. I know Ange has ambitions of being a coach in the Premier League after Russia. Mm. I've got bad news for him, um, but also um, <laughs> listening. I've got some very bad news for Ange. Um, I'm going to play all these things back to him one day. Mm. All the things you say about him. Um, mate, I love Ange. I think he's a great coach. But you're not going to be coaching Chelsea or 
Bournemouth in the next four years. He's, he's, yeah. he's, the, he's, the, he's the Craig Foster of 2017, he is, isn't he? He's talking about a bloke who's, who's a, a, a fingernail length away from taking us to the World Cup. Who's just, who's just won the Asian uh, <laughs> Champions, uh, the, uh, the Asian Champions League, the, uh, you know. It's gonna... Asian Champions, Asian Cup, Rob. Asian Cup, that's it. That's Thanks, Rob. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Oh, you knew I the had it wrong. Is, but um, Ange is a very talented man. Where was it going? Okay. I don't know. What you, you were doing was you were slamming Ange. Ange, we love no, you. We think slam. you'll do this it. This is not, yeah, you Mark, were. this is not stoppage time, by the way. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. Well, that'll do. Thank you, Marco. <laughs> uh, dial it back. Think of something for stoppage time. Next, after the break, from the Edgeworth Eagles, Daniel McBreen. We're looking forward to having him to chat to him because they've got an exciting date with South Melbourne next Wednesday to open up the round of 32. So stick around. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of this all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, our next guest is a 40-year-old veteran of top flight leagues around the world including 120 games across three A-League clubs. But we reckon the excitement must be starting to build for the veteran Daniel McBreen as his Edgeworth Eagles prepare for the round of 32 fixture against South Melbourne this coming Wednesday. Welcome to Box to Box for the first time, Daniel. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So, mate, um, you know, you you are a veteran. There's not many blokes with a four in front of their age uh, still <laughs> running around. but uh, Teddy Sheringham-like. Come exactly. on. Give him a break. No, we love it, mate. Hey, there's a few blokes who, with that uh, sort of age range in this studio, and they don't look like they're going to be playing top-flight football anytime no, soon. not at all. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, mate, um, it, it must be exciting that at this stage of your career that um, that, a, that a fixture like that um, is, uh, is in your diary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess the guys who have retired by this age are generally the smarter ones. Um, <laughs> it's, it's us dopey ones that keep going out and punishing ourselves. But, but no, look, it's exciting for for the club again to be in the uh, round of 32. And, um, you know, South Melbourne is such a, a big club with some hit, big history. So we're looking forward to get down there and hopefully see what we can do and pit ourselves against them. I know they're doing quite well in the competition, so uh, it'll be a tough one for us. But... Um, Zani was down there on the weekend watching him play, and he's usually pretty tactically astute. So hopefully we'll uh, have some uh, some some idea of how to combat them and, and get a result. Daniel, just this is a national program. It goes right around Australia. So for those uh, people in other states other than New South Wales, might not know the uh, the significance of Edgeworth Eagles. But why don't you just give us a quick uh, rundown on the club and um, and your involvement with them? Um, yeah, look, the club's 125 years old this year, so it's been around quite a while. Um, they actually scouted my dad and a few of his mates from England back in 1977, and that's the reason we moved to Australia. Um, so my dad came over to play for Edgeworth all those years ago, and it was my first junior club. Uh, it was my last uh, club before I went pro, and I always said when I'd retire, I'd come back and play uh, with them, which I have done last year and this year, and... Um, the club's had success the last couple of years as well. Um, won the double the last two years, which I don't think has been done for a long, long time. Anyway, I think it's only been done once in the last 56 years, uh, apart from us. So it's been a you know quite successful period for the club in the last couple of years. And Damien Zane's a, a very good coach. Um, he spends a lot of time with his analysis and um, trying to get us to play um, good football that um, you know can help nullify the opposition, so he's a very good coach. He, he has us playing a lot of different systems, different ways, um, depending on opposition, and he sets very high um, 
very high standards for the for the players and the clubs. So it's a good club to be involved in at the I guess the end end of my career. Uh, Daniel, it's Dean here. Hope you're well. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, talking of your dad, now I didn't play against your dad in his heyday, but I yeah. certainly played with him for many years up at Malulabar. <laughs> so I've pitted my wits against the old boy many, many times, and yep. uh, what a character he was. And, uh, and I want to just ask, you know, for the listeners, how big an influence and what a character that your dad was? Yeah, look, dad was. Uh Obviously, uh, the reason I guess I got into football, uh, I followed football from a young age. Um, it devastated him. He was an Everton supporter, and I followed Liverpool because of Craig Johnston. Um, and made him bring me home. A, uh, he went over to the FA Cup final. I made him bring me home a Liverpool strip instead of an Everton one, which uh, he did. Um, and he, it's the last time he spoke to me, really. But, <laughs> uh, but no, Dad, look, look, Dad loved his football, and, you know, even spending so many nights he'd fall asleep on the lounge trying to stay up to watch the Premier League and all those kind of things. So uh, it was a massive influence on my on my life as far as football goes. And, you know, he loved to have fun off the pitch as well, which sort of rubbed off on me a little bit because uh, there's no point doing it if you're not having fun. So, um, yeah, it was uh, a pretty good... Uh, well, I, I, I grew up as well in, in England, and I, I grew up with a, a footballing dad as well. And uh, yep. it's great to have someone in your own family that's, you know, and there's always a question of whose was better than who. And I can certainly <laughs> say on my behalf that my dad was a lot better than I was. <laughs> how do you reckon you would go against the old boy? Um, well, everyone likes to tell me how good of a player he was. Um... I reckon one of my first memories of going to watch Dad play when I was young, he said, uh, you come and watch me play. I think he was playing, uh, I can't remember he was playing for in uh, Sydney, but he was coming to play against Newcastle. And he said, you come and watch me, I'll show you how to play. <laughs> and he got sent off for headbutting someone in <laughs> five minutes. So he pulled out the line that you do as I say and not as I do line. So, um, But no, everyone said he was a very good player and... Um, you know, he was good on the ball, and I could see that when you even when he was older. Yeah, and he was unbelievable. We we, we um, had a, we had a really good little side. A lot of old national league players from yeah. the old days. I mean, Melchester, we've we've always been really at the pointy end at most of the tournaments. But when when your dad was uh, in full flight, he didn't matter didn't matter how much older he was than us. We still couldn't get near him. <laughs> you couldn't get round him either. No, no, either. That's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> this is Box to Box on NTS News Talks. But we're talking to Daniel McBreen, a famous name in football in this country, through his dad, of course, and Daniel's great time in the A League. And uh, now he's back with the Edgeworth Eagles, back home uh, and uh, and playing in the round of 32 in the FFA Cup of this coming Wednesday. Now, Michael, you've got a, a question to ask. Well, uh, my question's about the game, uh, Daniel, so uh, we'll just get off all those memories for a moment. But, <laughs> but um, uh, South Melbourne, they talk up a, a bit of a storm down here in Melbourne. They uh, they yeah. want to be in the A-League. They make a big noise about it. They're, they've got the, the brand spanking um, Lakeside Stadium. Uh, they're Oceania Club of the Century. They keep telling everyone about, about all that sort of stuff. So it'd be good to put a couple past them, surely, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, oh, it doesn't matter who they're playing. I like to score against um <laughs> But, um, yeah, look, they've got high, high ambitions and they want to be in the A-League. And, you know, uh, as far as I'm aware, they're trying to do everything they can and, and get the setup right that they, they can do that. Um, you know, like I said before, they have got a great history as a club, but, you know, I don't think, you know, a, a history can always be what what you go by as now. It's what they're doing now, you know. So um, I know they're doing well in the league down there and, and they're very, very vocal about you know, where they want to go, and, and they're not backwards in uh, coming forwards to mention that. But, um, 
yeah, look, we know it's going to be a tough game. Um, we know it's a strong league down there, but we've, we've, we've been there before. We did that in the NPL finals last year. We knocked off Bentley. Um, so we know that it's going to be a very tough game, and we'll go out there. Like I said, Damien Zane will have a game plan, and um, we've sort of discussed it slightly between me and him before, uh, he, what he's thinking of doing, and you know, we'll go out there and... No, we're not going down there to think that you know it's just uh, we made the 32. Uh, last year when we made the 16, Zane said, "Well, that's the benchmark now. We've got to do it again next year." So we're not going down there to have a, a trip in Melbourne. We're going down to try and win. And uh, you know, that's a South Melbourne has said that anyone in Australia would think that they're a good scalp, and we're no different. And um, we'll be hoping to take that scalp back with us. You had a fabulous uh, run last year. I was at that Bentley game, and I thought you thoroughly deserved to win that. Uh, uh, I thought you were quite convincing on the day. Um, I think the question that a lot of people look at, you know, when we're at clubs at Edgeworth, like I'm with Hume City as technical director, it means a lot to these type of clubs at the lower level compared to, say, the A-League level. Um, what's your thoughts on the gap? Where, because obviously you've played in the A League, you know, in recent yeah. times, well, how far away are we? Because whenever we talk about this B League or potential B League, how far do you think the the gap is, and 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 how quickly do you think we could try to bridge that gap, Daniel? To me, I think there's still a quite a big gap between A League um, and the NPL clubs. Uh, that's my personal view. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't think there's players that are playing in the NPL that can can play in the A League. Um, my personal view is we need to expand the A-League. I think we need to get more teams in there um, as quick as possible. Um, as far as promotion relegation goes, I know that's a hot topic at the moment, but I just think financially, to me, I think it's going to be a, uh, a real struggle. I don't know if it's viable yet. Uh, I think the demographics of Australia make it really, really difficult. Yeah, they do, um, and I agree with that. Yeah, I just think that's going to be a real tough one. And, you know, I think... A team that drops out of the A-League, I don't know, we're not like other countries where they can still be sustain it in a second division. We have so many other sports and uh, uh, sponsorship dollars, etc. are so hard to come by, so I think that's going to be a real tough one. Um, you know, for example, for you know, my, one of my clubs in, in Australia, the Central Coast Mariners, um, you know, a very small club in the A-League, uh, I think could be a, you know, a bit of a death sentence if they were to go ever get relegated out of the A-League. Um, just because of the financial, I guess, the Central Coast, mm, the demographics sure. and the finance and all that kind of stuff. So I do think there's a big gap between the two, um, and I think you do see that generally in the FA Cup. You know, I think there's only been two teams beaten by NPL teams. Um, but, yeah, I think we've got a way to go to, to, to close that gap. Ask me which is the best way to do that. <laughs> That's a job for other people. No, of course. Look, just to give you a little insight as well, we're playing South Melbourne uh, this week, so we will try and soften them up for you for that midweek game. <laughs> That'll be great. Thank uh, you. And I think Edge just wants to ask you one quick question, then they'll let you go. Yep. Uh, Daniel, uh, who? I mean, your t- your game's on TV, so uh, listeners right around Australia will be able to look at the, the, the emerging talent. It's one of the best things about the FFA Cup is to look at the young players that are coming through. Can you name a couple of your teammates that we should keep an eye out for that you think have got a future beyond NPL uh, standard? Oh, here we go. Now, if I say one name and not another one, yeah. I'll be like, I'm give you some stick. But, no um... one's to it, mate. Come on. <laughs> uh, look, we've got a couple of young guys uh, coming through. We've got a young goalkeeper, Nate Cavalier. I think he's, he's a, a quite a good young keeper. He's bided his time uh, at another club, uh, 
that was always on the bench and got a got a came over to our club to get a try and get a a break, I guess. And just through a, a luck, I think it was an injury through our first keeper and the start of the season, he got a game and he's never relinquished it. He's been very solid. Um, and this is his first year in, in, in first team football, really, and he's been very solid. Uh, we've got another guy, I guess, Will Bauer, who's now starting to break into the first team, who's just started to do a bit of training with the the Jets youth team as well. So, you know, he's a bright prospect, and you know, hopefully they can continue their progress and, and sort of move on, and hopefully we can see them move on to brighter and better things. Nice prediction and very diplomatic, there, Daniel. Well done. Man, I could, I could, I'd have to say everyone. I'm going to anyway. But, uh, <laughs> you are. You're on, you're, mind. Yeah, you're on a hiding to nothing, mate. <laughs> hey, listen, good, <laughs> good luck on Wednesday night, mate. We, we're really looking forward to it. I know there'll be a few uh, Hellas fans out there that might not quite agree with us, but uh, <laughs> we love to see the minnows uh, rise up and do well, and uh, and that's uh, creating the story, the history um, in the making, really, of, uh, of the FFA Cup uh, um, in, in these early years of the competition. So good luck with the, with Wednesday and, um, and uh, the, um, you know, the... If you get a result, um, you know, the uh, round's ahead, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. Well done, Daniel. Thanks, Good Daniel. to talk to you, mate. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Stick around. Now, Dino, you stick around, because after the break, we're going to get stuck into all the international news and talk about Tottenham Hotspur in particular, yeah? Lovely. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports Streaming on the World Wide Web and, of course, the podcast on box2boxnts.com.au. Now, Dino is back. We are talking the international game. There's only three weeks left till you know, the big leagues start around the world, mate, and uh, and you're very interested in one particular club, as uh, as most uh, watchers of the English Premier League are. Um, Tottenham, they um, they've they've flattered to deceive over the past couple of seasons. They've they've thrown up some of uh, of the the Premier League's best players, um, but uh, they just haven't uh, managed to ascend to the top of the pile yet. Um, no, that's right. I mean, look, they've two years ago they finished third, uh, very close to their local rivals Arsenal, um, and obviously Leicester was the uh, Cinderella story for for that particular mm-hmm. season. Um, but you knew they were going in a certain direction. You know, uh, Pochettino joined from Southampton mm-hmm. um, and it had a really good effect from not only on the field, but also off the field with a lot of signings. And I suppose a lot of this was most probably started when Gareth Bale was sold mm. uh, to Real Madrid, which got, gave them a, a kitty of 80 plus million. And, that, you know, and during that period, they, they spent, for me, quite wisely on, on a range of players that they brought in. I think they signed something like six or eight players with that money. Mm. And um, we all know Daniel Levy himself is a, a really good entrepreneur. Um, mm. And and he's and, he, and many expected that after Gareth Bale um, left that uh, you know that that would signal absolutely fall away. Mm. You know you, you're selling one of the best players, if not the best player in the country, yeah. certainly from a British point of view. Mm. And being Welsh myself, obviously yeah. a Welshman, yeah, so he, he's he's reasonably handy. But I think I think what they did do, and 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 the, the problem was is when you sign eight new players, they take time to settle. So realistically, it was about halfway through the season, they really started to come good and had a really good run home, which then got them into that position, which gave them the Champions League football mm, in that particular mm. year. Then we go last year and they pushed and pushed and pushed and just till they fell away right at the very end to, to a, an unbelievable Chelsea season. Mm, mm. And you just think there's a lot of good things happening at Tottenham. Um 
they're they're in a, a really unique position as well where they're they're having to play away from home. Yeah. And obviously that's at Wembley. Um, they're not very That's good. That's got to hurt them. Well, they're not good at Wembley, as we know, in their Champions League exploits And surely last year. all of the other clubs are, are going to lift. They, you know, they they're, they're going to clubs that are not going to get a chance to visit Wembley uh, in, in the League <laughs> so Cup and final, finals, yeah, so exactly. to speak. So look, I think it's an interesting space for them. But what they are doing, which is great, and I love this bit, is about their particular stadium where it's based now. The stadium is being built around it, and it's absolutely marvellous when you see some of the. Um, when the cameras are showing it from a high position where you see the old ground being pulled down and the new one built around it. So just for the, for our listeners, um, maybe you don't know an awful lot of Tottenham, but they've been 134 years you know, as a football club, mm. which a lot of the British-based clubs go well into the 1800s. Uh, yeah. White Hart Lane is their home. Uh, Daniel Levy is their chairman and uh, uh, Pochettino, Mauricio Pochettino is their manager who came from Spain. And he's and I say, for me, he's one of the hottest properties in management worldwide. Um, mm-hmm. There's talk of Ross Barkley potentially leaving Everton. And yeah. the biggest attraction is to go and play under this guy. Mm-hmm. They've won an awful lot. Um, you know, off air, we we're talking to a few of the guys in the studio. Um, they won in 60-66. And mm. uh, there was a certain Mr. Dave Mackay was playing for them then. Yeah. Danny Blanchflower, I think, was the manager in those days. And they haven't won it since then. So it's a long time between drinks. Um, but for this fa- famous club, won eight FA Cups. So they, they love the FA Cup. The last time they won that, a certain Paul Gascoigne got injured with that famous tackle yes, against Nottingham Forest, which really, his career never really went... He had that little spell in Italy, which he did really well, but yeah. it was an awful injury. Which he also had a couple fault. of other little issues going he on did. as well, um, didn't he, that, um, that held him back, sadly. He, but, he did. Um, and, and look, Gaza is one of the, the stories that are sad, but yeah. the time he was at Tottenham when he moved from yeah. Newcastle was unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, they've um, they've won the FA Cup four times and they've won the Charity Shield, which is the champions of the Cup and the, mm. the league play each other seven times. So there's a lot of success, but it's all in the past. Yeah. And I think this is where Tottenham going third, second, are they good enough to now go and, and really tilt it to win it? Now, they haven't really got into the transfer market as yet. Yeah. They have sold, however, uh, Kyle Walker mm-hmm. and a lovely bit of business, 45 million for a right back. But he's a big loss, though, isn't he? He is he, a big he, loss. He was one of the, the rocks in defence. There's for 45 million reasons why they most probably sold him. And mm. and when they're saying it's good business and the pundits in England mm. have been around and know how the market works, yeah. they're saying it's good business. Well, in and, your view, how critical is a right back to the, well, to the setup that Pochettino has? You're starting 11's vital. I mean, mm. you, you, everyone talks about the points. Your goalkeeper's vital, your striker's vital. Mm. Uh, certainly central defenders, then your central midfielder, and then mm. everything else builds around that. But if you've got some cutting edge in wide areas and you mm. can stretch teams, especially mm. with a lot of pace like well, he has. As we've found with our national side, though, if if, if a left footer is a little harder to find than a right foot, footer, yeah, don't they? Yeah, he is. And look, well, he, he's the, he is their right back. Mm. Uh, so he's, I mean... Again, I think it's good business. I think, which the, is what I mean, he's, yeah, he's easier to replace. He is, he, the, and I think with that money there, I mean, the, the one interesting when I was doing a bit of research here, uh, there's a very, very famous man we all know in uh, yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> this is a good story. And uh, he's basically he, he was trying to sign uh, Dimitar Berbatov back in 2008, mm. and quote unquote was the former Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson said dealing with uh, Daniel Levy was more painful than when he had his hip operation (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you most probably think because he's a tough negotiator Mm. and all his business is done uh, they're always 
like from a financial point of view, in a really good position. Yeah. They're always in the top four or five clubs mm-hmm. in the country, you know. So I think if you manage, for me, if you're successful, it's got to start from the top. And I, mm. and I really think the last bit of this jigsaw puzzle is when I read looking through all of the the information I got was most of their business is done very, very late in the transfer market. Mm. So it comes when it's down to late. They've already identified the target, mm. kept it quiet. No one's gone in there and nibbled, and then all of a sudden they pick up a well, bargain. Well, Dino, as a man famous for the accuracy of my predictions on this show. Yeah, there um, we go. <laughs> this will be interesting. No, well, I just want to know what you think. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I dread for Spurs supporters that, that, that they'll be here or hereabouts for, for a long time and that they'll never um, get to the top of the pile because that opportunity that... that, that existed in the, the the year that Leicester won may well be remembered as the year that Spurs could have... Uh, I, I uh, think won. the Leicester ones are one-off. I don't think Leicester will ever be back there again. Yeah, but what be. I mean is Spurs, did they miss their chance? I mean, so many other yeah, teams have rebuilt. You look at... Uh, Edge, you've got a thought? I've got a question for you without notice, which mm-hmm. I like to throw in from time to time. He's got to answer my question first. Right? No, no, yeah, I uh, want him to... But I think he, uh, he can, can I answer it with this? this, yeah? Yeah, you okay. can. Um Last year, Tottenham, there was a little bit of expectation about their performance last year. But, but this year, there's a lot of expectation because mm, people is. are expecting their fans. As you have quite eloquently detailed, they're hungry for success. And they have an expectation that this could be the year. So I don't know whether this club uh, and the playing group that they have can actually handle that expectation. Yeah. And there is. And quite, they are young, by the way. They are young. So let's put that and, on the table. They're a young group. And you sort of have to then consider the wage structure they've got. There's been quite a bit of reporting. Limitations. Yeah, the limitations. Yep. Um, a $70,000 player would yeah, be getting 100 down the road. That's right. Yep. So Get they that. do They do um, have. They're, they're susceptible to getting cherry picked uh, their players by other clubs. So do they spend big? Do they go into the transfer window for some big names and spend over the odds, which might upset the team dynamic? I mean, all of those. Uh, issues are factors in whether they can step up and be a, a, I, a title I, chance. I think in answer to that, I think they're going to have to go and sign someone really decent that's really cutting edge, top draw, that's going to put them to another level because mm-hmm. they've got some really good players like Deli Ali and, uh, and Harry, Harry Kane. Kane. Don't Kane. forget, Harry Kane was out for nearly three months yeah, last year was, as well, yeah. so that affected their push for He's the title. Player, so yeah. yeah, look, I think you know, obviously we've got to move on, and I think that time for your prediction, Dean. You're not going to yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm is, actually going to be bold. I'm going to actually, I'm going to. I think the only thing that will stop them is Wembley, mm-hmm. but I still think they're on the right track. If it doesn't happen this year, it'll happen the year after. Okay, all right. That's um, well, they have stuff. to get out of the blocks quick, don't they? They have to. They right. do. Early to points are important. They certainly are. All right. Well, uh, so we've analysed Spurs in detail, and Dean is predicting them to win in the Come next on, Dean, two you got years. Some gossip? Right. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of gossip there. Um, I mean, the, the usual uh, targets: uh, Diego Costa after his text from. Uh, we didn't Mr. believe that Mr. at the Costa. time, did we? <laughs> it was true. Fancy getting text. Sorry, mate. You're not in our plans. Um, Find another club. But, but apparently, the club were not happy about that because. Uh, oh, would you be? Well, well, yeah. Well, not only because of the fact that they've punted him, but the fact that they've diminished his transfer value as well by. Making it clear to, to everyone else. Well, that, Chelsea that he, are holding out for 44 million from Atletico Madrid mm. is where they got him from. Mm. So it might be a return home there. Um, and um, yeah, like, what about um, Liverpool? Um, they're ready to bid 70, 70 million, million euros. My, I'm sorry, 70 million pounds. Forget that. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, pardon me. I made a mistake. Well, close enough. Yeah. Um, for, for I mean, that's a yeah. huge amount yeah, it's, of money. It's a big one. It's um, a big one. And Leipzig, they were awesome in the Bundesliga last year. I mean, really, really, really good. So I just wonder how uh, big a, a role he had to play in that. Oh, he would have had an enormous role. I mean, you're not going to throw 70 
million on someone who's who hasn't got the, the goods. And, and the age bracket most probably fits Liverpool's model as well. And West Ham uh, in the market for former Manchester United striker Javier Hernandez, who uh, was playing for Bayern Leverkusen they, last yeah, year. Yeah, look, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I like mind him. him. I, I think he's a good player. I, I thought he was, I, great, he was all right, yeah. You know, as they all call him another sport pitch hitter, you know, he used to pop mm. in there, score goals. And also Joe Hart's gone there as well. Well, that was the point. Did you hear yeah. the, the comment from the Torino manager? He, no. he, in, he, I think it was a sort of a lost in translation moment where he was... Uh, he was said to have commented that uh, we were surprised with how many mistakes Joe Hart made. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, that's Not where... Not for his diplomacy. I mean, <laughs> the obvious reason he's left City was because he wasn't as good with his feet yeah, as the goalkeeper they brought in. However, I mean, I still rate Joe Hart. Yeah. I mean, uh, I still think he can do still a good job at that level. I hope he gets back in the England national team right away because I think he's fantastic. Well, he played, when he, the last when time he makes they, those mistakes, I love it. When he was the last, the last games they played, he was the goalkeeper. I know. Hey, uh, what about this one? I'm really interested in this this uh, piece of gossip that Barcelona has been shopping Neymar around. Imagine yes. if the Brazilian superstar was to leave Barcelona, but there's a big asking price. Almost two hundred million pounds are on on his head. Oh, no. So even uh, the great uh, Chelsea and uh, Chelsea, I should say, not Chelsea. I thought you were talking about Andre Kincholskis or something. No, no, like but Chelsea and uh, Manchester United might balk at that. I'd say two hundred million. Now, wow. just just one from the lower levels. Uh, remember our mate Vincent Tan, controversially uh, took over Cardiff City. Did he? And did for a pretty all ordinary job. Of the years they've been blue. They're even, it's even in their nickname and changed the kit to red. Now, didn't they go that go down well? Do they we changed it to blue back very quickly. So <laughs> it's thirty million uh, for someone to buy. Uh, the championship club. And, you see them. Uh, he's the the same bloke that employed Bob Bradley um, as uh, as manager, wasn't he? Um, no, no, I don't know. No, that was the guy that, that was at Swansea. Oh, their neighbours, yeah, their yeah, neighbours. So uh, no, and that didn't. That ended up in tears as yes. well. How long we got? Have we, we close? Yeah, give us one more, mate. Well, no, no, what about just a, a small reflection on the uh, the women's have got yeah. the, the European Championships on at the well, moment? We'll just give you some of the results. Uh, yeah, from... what I have noticed though is the Icelandic fans yeah. have turned out just as well as they did for the. For the men's the men. and the uh, and the and the clap and the hook as they yeah. call it the huck mm-hmm. is uh, well and truly being deployed in support of their fine women the Icelandic women. Well, a quick rundown of results: Group A, Netherlands one, Norway nil, Denmark one, uh, Belgium nil. Uh, so, uh, well done to those two teams. In uh, Group B, the Italian women got beat by the Russians. Germany nil nil with Sweden. So. Uh, as we know, normally Germany win everything that they uh, enter. So uh, Sweden's uh, notoriously really great in the women's game. Great in the women, yep. Yeah. Uh, group C, Austria won, Switzerland nil, and France won, Iceland nil. So unfortunately, all that support didn't what really... What group D? <laughs> is this the group of death? This um, is. Spain 2, Portugal nil. What about the next scoreline? No, this love is interesting because English football as we all know, gets hammered quite a lot. But yeah. European tournaments in recent times the English not women, doing too bad. Uh, six. England 6, Scotland now. <laughs> well, and obviously um, Australia has a good connection with Scotland because of... No, that's Wales. No, I'll Wales. move on. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I about we, to make I, a big I, I mistake. Thought you, there. I thought you were going to go down Jackson Irvin's dad or that's something. That's right. No, yeah, no. Okay. So we're good. We're good. Ah, good stuff. All right, Dino. Well done, mate. That was uh, that was fantastic. And uh, we've put your uh, your prediction on Spurs in the time capsule, mate. Two years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Stick around after the break. Stoppage time. Box to box. Can you believe it? 
Pittsburgh Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, before the special signals, there are five minutes left in stoppage time. I am worried about what's going to happen because there's been chaos with Mark in the studio tonight. But chaos? Before we get into, He's oh, been very jovial tonight, him. hasn't he? Yeah, there has. But look, Storage King. Remember, the kings of storage. If you... <laughs> If you need to you get your trophies yep. down off your shelf from your glittering sporting career, Mark, we know how effective you are. Mark, has, you are, uh, Mark has little I am, a, I am a two-time Palais Cup winner in the New York Junior mm. Soccer League. So that's the sort of... And I've played overseas, which yeah. only two of the four of us can say. Yeah. You <laughs> haven't? Do you he hasn't? You, you don't you know have. that. So, so that's the sort of sporting gold and the pedigree that we have here on Box to Box. What about so, your figurines? You've got... But before we move on to that, don't remember, 1-800-STORAGE, the kings of storage moving in more. Well, I mean, Get to storageking.com.au. Is this my wife or is this Michael? No, Mark. I know Mark's wife, Mel. She's beautiful. <laughs> but she's forever at him to put his figurines in storage. You've got a great opportunity. She is. Now. Yeah, or just yeah. put them in the bin. Yeah, also, exactly. But, uh, He's trying I'd to get prefer, you to start. <laughs> I would prefer Rob to yes. get back on track and let you do your live read. Yeah, and, and also man, talk yeah. about putting them in storage with Storage King. Exactly. With your, uh, I thought he was trying to get you onto your babushka dolls, where you could put them into a small storage that's space, later. And that's or, uh, or, or your trophies uh, with uh, with a larger <laughs> unit. So whatever you need, whether you're a sporting organisation, whether you're a business that needs to downsize because of the digital era emerging, get onto Storage King. One eight hundred Storage or storageking.com.au you for your nearest store. Now, Mark, can I sing? What can have, I sing with lyrics? No, no, please don't jingle? sing. You no can't jingle? sing. You couldn't. I can sing. You couldn't carry a tune if it had a handle on it. To oh, be perfectly I'm frank. So, um, no, 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 not tonight. No, no. Okay. Um, no. We'll, we'll, we'll almost pull out the hook if you start. No, he can sing though. He's all right. Yes, I know, but he's not. He singing rarely tonight. gives me a compliment. But there you go. <laughs> See, that was the chaos I was talking about. So, uh, Mark, did you know Michael Lynch is in England? And I'm just well, wondering. Hello, 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 hello lads. How are you going? Lynch, hey, Lynchy, I just you... jetted in. Just I worked it. downstairs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean if... for about another four months, that goes out of business. Yeah. But Fairfax, are they? Uh, they've given you holidays. <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, I thought you were. I thought Sorry, he was just looking at Rob's eyes. I thought he had um, an exclusive interview with Chris Hitting, who we no, did try to get no, in. No, hang weekend. on, you're still coming. I've got, an, I've got an exclusive. But how you going, boys? You're all right. We're good, Lynch. We're missing you. There's a lot of happening uh, in the A League. I was at the, the Pergies a couple of weeks ago yes. when your mob beat Mark's mob. Yeah, we had of. a good chat, didn't we, Lynch? Yeah. That's why I thought we we were talking about all the things and, happening and, at the FFA. Michael actually burst into the Melbourne Knights media box. Yeah, I did. Given it large. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. By the by. No, I would. I, no, Litchie knows that I was, I was um, encouraging Mark to use the toilet. Ah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Great toilet facilities out there in mm. Heidelberg. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Hopefully Mark. that's where their Sorry, championship Lynchy. ambitions will be going down the toilet. This is going beautifully. Anyway, Michael, yes. Lynchy, have you run into Hussinik while you've been in yeah, England? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yours. No, it's my, it's my segment. Yours. Um, we've got a bloke to the right of me. I'm not sure if he's enjoying this or not. Anyway, yours. Uh, how you going, mate? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I'm very upset. Uh, Chelsea has a manager. That is doing well. But I believe Mark said earlier that your Socceroos coach is going to get uh, the lemonade and sauce, as you say in Australia. No, no, Mark was saying he's not going to get a job in the top flight. Um, but ah, don't okay. pay any attention to Mark. Yeah. He has no idea. <laughs> we all know yours will get the job wherever he likes. Mm. True? Well, I don't know about that. This depends True? on the money because you are a, a cash 
I wasn't. I was going to use a word, but yeah, I'm not going I to like use the cash cow, like on. Oh, sorry, I can't say it with you. Sunrise <laughs> or Today Show, whatever. But uh, uh, I know it upsets you to talk about the Today Show. Uh, sorry, the Sunrise Show. <laughs> you idiot. Anyway, uh, of course but, you would have been on both of those shows, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. I'm yours. I've been on every show, Michael. You know this. Anyway, I have uh, Simon Hill, uh, the voice of Australian football. He calls himself. That's very presumptuous. Uh, what's the English word for presumptuous? Presumptuous. Oh, so. same word. Anyway, got Simon here. Thanks, Jos. How you going, lads? Yeah, I'm over job. here in uh, Manchester playing drums yeah. in my band. What's your band called? It's called uh, the Simon Hill Band. Wow. I wasn't prepared for that question. But anyway, it's a, it's a great band. Mm-hmm. What's going on back down in Oz? It's very cold, I hear. It is absolutely freezing, Simon. So you Not better get back Sydney. here soon. Yeah, today, even in Sydney, I hear. Where you live, Simon. Which, which I hear, and yeah, well, I do live in Sydney, of course, and uh, I see on Sunrise every, uh, sorry, on the Today Show every morning, I see that it's very, very cold. Uh, did we, did we, when we opened this Pandora's box, Michael, um, <laughs> with this clown, did we know what we were really getting into? Uh, so, and, and Mark did say... He questioned if stage, I was drunk before. A couple of weeks ago. I might be. <laughs> yeah, a couple of Especially weeks ago. Especially this time of night in the UK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's four in the morning in the UK, isn't it? All right. Anyway, well, hey, are we done? Well, look, yeah, we are done, actually. FFA well, Cup, you, you got Daniel McBreen on, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he's already been. Mark, thank you. Good night. We done? Good night, Hus. Good night, Simon. That's me. Good night, Edge. Yeah, My well microphone's done. going off, so I, I assume I'm done. Thank you. Yes, you are done. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, Ruth. And thank you, Mark, for joining us tonight, our friends from Chemist Warehouse <laughs> in the studio. Don't know what they can make of that, but hopefully they will return and continue to support us. Join us next week on Box to Box when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game. <laughs>